0: And we are live with the standing room Spartans podcast, your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host Scott Martin here on a Wednesday morning on the, what's the opposite of the Eve, not the Eve of the playoff rankings. The, uh, day after day
1: after, I don't think they have a, a fun word for it. There
0: has to be, I don't know, old English somewhere, uh, where Michigan state is apparently the number three team in the country. Here we are, year two, Mel Tucker. We'll get to that. We will break down the Purdue game. But before we do, Scott, it is a Wednesday morning here. Uh, how are you? Well, I'm nervous. Uh, I'm a- elated to be the number three team in
1: the country. I have a gripe about the college football playoff rankings, just one gripe, uh, which we'll get to. But uh, I'm I'm nervous. I mean, we're going up against Giant Slayer Purdue, spoiler makers, whatever they call themselves. Um, and, uh, and this is just the perfect kind of distraction coming on the heels of an enormous rivalry win that can lead to, you know, a slow start. I mean, we're in, we're in trap game central right now, and we're going to get into Purdue. Um, who is a different Purdue team than we're used to seeing in the past. So I'm nervous. I'm excited. Uh, I'm elated. We're eight, zero in year two, like you said, uh, we're, we're playing on house money and I don't think we're done yet. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's start with that. Let's rip off the Uh, Band-Aid. Look, I, I'm not a huge college football playoff guy. I I just, I don't care about it as much as a lot of people do, but um, you know, it is something to argue about. It is something to get angry about. And that's really the beauty of college football. Uh, I was explaining the the process to my girlfriend last night, who isn't really in tune with all the nuts and bolts of college football. She roots for Michigan State because I do, and and that's about it. And I was trying to explain to her this system of well, there's 130 some odd teams, they all play in a bunch of leagues, and then throughout the season, there's this group that's called the committee. This is group of people, and nobody really knows how they're picked or how they're qualified to to make these decisions. And they subjectively choose what teams they think are better than the other teams. And then they pick four of them. And at the end of the year, they, it's, it's a ridiculous system. There's a hundred ways to, to quote unquote, fix it. I don't think any of them are perfect. I, I don't even know if any of them are really better than the one we have to be honest, but Uh, It's college football. It's weird. It's wacky. And that's partly why we all love it so much. But Scott, I'm going to set the timer here, how we're going to do this uh, to make sure we don't get off track. I'm going to set the timer two minutes and I'm going to give you two minutes. It can be about Michigan state. It can be about anybody to, to just kind of get it all out there on the playoff rankings from last night. And then we'll move on to Purdue here. So two minutes starting right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, Michigan State, number three team in the country. There was chatter about maybe them being at number two. Uh, originally going in, you know, just based on eye test, I'd probably have them five, six, somewhere in that range. Um, but this is a weird year in college football, and a lot of good teams have losses. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing now. My one gripe that I mentioned is that we're below Alabama. You know, I say that half tongue-in-cheek because I don't know what world we're living in where I could be upset eight weeks into this season that we are one spot behind Alabama in the college football playoff ranking. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you put the resumes side by side, you, you ink out all the names. You just look at the resumes, who they've beat, who they've played, who they've lost to. I mean, objectively Michigan State has a better resume than Alabama right now so you're clearly seeing the the eye test bias the SEC bias the Alabama bias creeping in I don't see the point in putting Alabama that high there's no logical reason if they beat Georgia if they put them at four five six and they beat Georgia at the end of the year they're still in Um, so put them where they actually are three four five Uh, but regardless Michigan state is in currently in line to make the college football playoff, which I think is insanity. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, everybody's talking about what if we got Bama? What if we play Georgia? What if, what if we, we still have to play the best offense in the country in the regular season in three weeks? And we still have to play Penn state who is not the Penn state of old, but is still well up to the task of, of giving us a handful in that game none of this matters until basically you win the big 10 championship so it's fun like you said it's something to get excited about it's something to argue about it's something to uh, hate the sec for hate espn for if you're in the mood for it uh, but michigan state is in position to make the playoff and uh, we got a lot of games left to win
0: Yeah. uh, So I'll, I'll start my two minutes here with, with the similar train of thought. Like, again, it's what's the point of doing this? If, if we're, you know, we're in week eight, week nine, whatever it is. Um, And if you're already going to put Alabama at two, then, then what's the point? Like you said, it's, it's going to play itself out. If they win out, they're going to be in and they'll deserve to be in. But at this point, you're it's, it's just the hypocrisy of the selection process. It's, you're valuing one thing for one team and you're not valuing it for the other team you're you're valuing an undefeated record for this team and not for this team you're you're valuing the the quality wins for this team and you're you're punishing the bad losses for this team it's just this stupid subjective ranking system that again they don't even have to answer the questions to that's what really bothers me is Reese Davis gets on there and he asks the good questions that we all want to know to his credit but we all know that whatever the guy's name is it's it's escaping me right now he doesn't actually have to answer any of these questions and he ducks and dodges every single one of them and just says, yep, we watch the games and and we debate. It's like, well, congratulations for doing your job. Uh, We appreciate that. Can you actually maybe give us some information on how you selected these teams? So Alabama being number two with a loss is a joke. Like you said, does it really matter? No. Uh, I appreciate that they put Oregon over Ohio state. I, I at least appreciate that they're valuing a head to head at least right now. There have been talks about like, well, if Alabama runs the, or if Ohio state runs the table, they should be above Oregon. I I think that's dumb. Why even bother playing the games if that's the case? And, uh, the last thing I got 20 seconds here, I was shocked that Oklahoma was number eight, that they really punished them for looking weak all year long. And, uh, Cincinnati at six for anybody that's hoping Cincinnati will get into the playoff. They're not going to, it's just never going to happen. It's not necessarily saying that I want them to, or don't want them to, but it's the reality of the situation. It's not going to happen. So that's the playoff talk. We got that out of the way. We ripped off the bandaid. It's something that I'm sure we'll be ripping another bandaid off next week, depending on, on what transpires. But uh, we had, we had to get through that uh, before we get to our Purdue breakdown, which is a huge game. And if you are looking to put a little wager on that game, I think the line right now is Michigan State minus three points. Uh, you can go ahead over to our friends at DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win 200 dollars in free bets. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long. So if it's uh DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available yet. Uh, You can play the the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. They have a bunch of stuff on there. Giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, uh, we have been diving into this Purdue game a little bit. It's been hyped up as a bit of a trap game for this team. Mel Tucker has already been on the offensive against that notion and saying that, that his guys are going to be ready. They're going to be prepared. They're not going to overlook this appointment, uh, this, uh, opportunity, this game. And it's, it's a really weird Purdue team. Like you said, we've, we've dove into some of the stats. I know you've been really deep diving into some stats the last couple of days. Uh, we've, we've been texting back and forth, uh, the two of us and TJ and, and I know you've been you've been deep diving here. Um, I was going to give you like five minutes to just rattle them all off, but people will be completely lost and confused. So we won't do it that way. But um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll I'll let you kind of take this one wherever you want uh, to start off with with previewing Purdue. Uh, what scares you the most? What makes you feel the most confident? Is, is there any way that you want to start this off?
1: Yeah, when we, when I was starting to dive into Purdue before I really looked at the numbers, right? The typical Purdue team was in my head. They they love to throw the ball a lot. They've got a stud wide receiver. They are going to get him the ball as much as possible, run up the score. The defense maybe isn't going to show up, but they're just going to try to beat you in a sprint to the finish line and attract, turn it into a track meet. Um, this is not that Purdue team. Their offense has struggled this year and their defense has been strong this year. Their defense so far this year has forced, they shut out UConn. Say what you want about that. UConn's only been shut out twice this year. It's still UConn. Um, They held Oregon State and Iowa to their lowest scoring outputs of the year. They held Notre Dame, Illinois, and Minnesota to their second lowest scoring outputs of the year. So that's six of their eight opponents so far this year. They've held to either their lowest or second lowest scoring total of the season. This is a good defense. Seven of Purdue's eight games this year have gone under The only game that hit the over was Wisconsin, which covered by two points, and they lost. So it's weird, right? Because typically, like I said, you'd expect a high-scoring game, a bad defense, a good offense. It's completely the opposite this year. They have a strong defense. It's led by a couple of great linebackers. Uh, Jalen Graham just had Defensive Player of the Week in the Big Ten last week. Uh, Their defensive end, George Karlaftis is a Bednarik semi-finalist hasn't had a great stat year, but still a, a stud defensive end. He's, he's going to he's apply a first pressure. A pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good defense. They have 10 interceptions this year. Uh, that's more than one a game. Um, so that's, that's where I want to start. I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird matchup. Uh, I think I'm a, if anything with, with the way that we play, maybe a little more confident against a team with a style like this than, than a Purdue of old. Um, just because of the way that our defense plays, right. Um, the typical Purdue defense, you put Rondell Moore back there and you give him 15, you know, catches against this defense. He's going to gas you somewhere, but that's not the way that they're playing. They're still passing the ball a lot. They hardly have any rushing yards. Um, their leading rusher has, I think about 360 yards this year. Um, his name's King, by the way, which is awesome. We'll get into some of the names because they've got some great names on this team.
0: But Xander uh, yeah. Horvath is their other uh, running back. So
1: <laughs> Xander Horvath, they've got a, a tight end. They're actually their second leading receiver is their tight end named Payne Durham, which is just <laughs> an awesome tight end slash superhero name. Um, but yeah, I mean it, the, the offense though it starts with David Bell. He is their star. He's probably uh, all Big Ten, potentially All American if he can continue to put up numbers, uh, not as many scores as people might expect, but, uh, he's got 53 receptions for almost 800 yards and four touchdowns this year. And they're going to try to get him the ball as much as possible in every part of the field. Um, and, uh, that's going to be the start, and maybe the end of their offensive game plan against us. So yeah, when I look at this, I think you just, you do what teams have done to Purdue. You keep the scoring low, and then it really just relies on the offense to unlock a surprisingly staunch Purdue defense.
0: I got a fun, uh, we'll get to the Purdue defense because there's some numbers there, but uh, you mentioned him and I got a fun David Bell stat for you, the Purdue wide receiver. He's number three. You're going to see him very often. So he has played in 25 career games, which, uh, you know, given last year's COVID year, we're about halfway through this year is about two full seasons. If you're including, you know, bowl games, uh, two full seasons, plus a game played 25 games. I want you to guess based on his, uh, career yards, where he would rank in Michigan state, all time receiving yards list, all time career receiving yards. Where would David Bell rank on that list? He has played again, 25 games, just about two seasons. If you're counting bowl games,
1: Hmm. All time. I mean, Charles Rogers had the two years, right. And, uh, and has he, he only needed numbers, two years, <laughs>
0: but
1: yeah. Um, did you, did you give me how many yards he had last year? Was that,
0: uh, I, I could that tell information? you the only thing I have in front of me is his career yards. So, okay.
1: I'm going to say, I mean, Michigan state hasn't had like prophetic offenses every year. So uh, like seven or eight
0: he would be fourth right now in Michigan state history and career yards. Uh, he has 2,446 yards. He's had 1400 yard games. Uh, if, if you kind of average him out the rest of this year, he would probably pass one or two people and be second or third on the MSU all time list. The guy's a stud and there's just no way, no way around it. He, is the focal point of the offense. They're going to look to him on every money down every third down, every trip to the red zone. They're looking number three's way and he usually gets the job done. So that that's a huge key to their offense. Uh, but I want to, I do want to go back to the defensive side because like you said, it's, it's not Purdue football. It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're, they're a hundred and third in the country in points per game on offense they're 11th in the country in points per game on defense. They're giving up 17 points a game. And, and I know a lot of that is, is just a result of some of the teams that they've played, but it, it is an outstanding Purdue defense. And one of the keys I think in this game as as we kind of include the MSU side in this and look at some matchups is we've talked about it. The reality is that Peyton Thorne on a snap to snap on a down to down basis has not been very good the last couple of weeks. We gave him a lot of praise last week for the Michigan game. And, and, and it was a lot of basically how he rebounded from tough spots, how he was, he was making clutch plays when we needed. But the reality is on a down to down on a snap to snap basis, he had another pretty poor performance after having a a pretty bad game against Indiana as well. So uh, if, if Peyton Thorne, if we're looking at like ways that we could lose this game, Right. If if Peyton Thorne turns the ball over a couple times as he's done the last two weeks, uh, if if he isn't hitting those big explosive plays without Jalen Naylor, uh, most likely, I guess I, I, I pretty confidently count him out. They said that he's been running around. It's like, OK, well, yeah, he has a hand injury, so I think he could still run. Uh, but I, I'm guessing we won't see him out there. But at the end of the day, it's you're without one of your big time weapons that stretches the field and, and you're going to need to produce in this passing offense. You're going to need to dink and dunk at times. You're going to need to hit some big plays to, to Jaden Reed, as you have been all year, but you're going to have to avoid those turnovers because last week, uh, Purdue played Nebraska and we know Martinez and Nebraska, they're prone to turning the ball over. Purdue picked them off four times. Uh, some of those were just a result of terrible decisions by the quarterback, but some of those were a result of Purdue players making great plays on the ball. And they're certainly capable of that. And If, if you keep giving this offense for as, as questionable as it's been, if you keep giving them extra possessions, if you give them good field position a couple times, like I said, David Bell, when he's on the field, he's the best player on the field. And it's been like that for most of his career. So, um, just Peyton Thorne really has to step up in this game because uh, after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, if we have a similar performance to that, I, we're really going to be on upset alert. And I'm, I'm something that is in terms of keys of the game, that's the number one thing for me, Peyton Thorne, not only just to, to hang onto the ball and not turn it over, but you got to get back to making those big plays. You got to get back to making those big throws on a consistent basis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a game though. You can win on the ground. Purdue is if there's a, a weakness on the, you know, the two different phases of the game on defense, Purdue is 47th in the country and allowed rushing yards per game at about 140. They're eighth in the country at passing yards allowed per game. Um, they just don't allow a lot of yards. You mentioned they get interceptions as well. So it's going to be hard. It's another defense. It's going to be hard to throw into the teeth of. Um, and I, again, I think you want to be able to control this game on the ground. Um, Purdue, I mean, they're not bad against the run, but they're not exceptional against the run. You've got a Heisman candidate running back. I think this is a game Kenneth Walker can win if the defense does what they need to do. Uh, but you're right. you got to take care of the ball at a minimum. Um, I think the scheme needs to be friendly to Peyton Thorne as well. Don't ask too much of him, uh, against an opportunistic defense. Uh, and again, you're going to need good offensive line play in both phases to, uh, to keep the quarterback clean and to open up holes for Kenneth Walker.
0: On that note too, with, especially when we're thinking about the ground game, uh, one thing that I did pick up on that I, I made a note of in watching their couple of the last games of them their DBs have some questionable tackling in the open field. So when you're allowing Kenneth Walker to get out in space, to get to that second, third level, he's going to pop a couple. Because uh, like I said, the, the defensive backs, they they were struggling to, to make tackles. Nebraska had quite a few situations where they would just throw that little bubble screen And it's, it felt like it was a guaranteed miss tackle on the outside almost every time. So keep an eye on that. If we are able to get guys open in space and and scheme it up in that way, uh, I think there are going to be some opportunities there uh, for our offense to, to make, to pop a couple big plays, whether it's yards after catch or, or, or Kenneth Walker busting them off as he has been all year.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, from an offensive game plan perspective, I think it's, like I said, it starts with Kenneth Walker, see how much you can get from him. On a good day, you're not going to need much more than that. Uh, on a bad day, you're going to have to ask some from Peyton Thorne. I think this is a game Peyton Thorne may be able to use his legs a little bit more as well. Uh, it's something we've seen flashes of. I don't think it's a big part of the game plan this year because I think they want to keep uh, Peyton Thorne's game plan simplified for him. He's still a young quarterback. They want to keep his eyes in one place and not ask too much of him. But you know, if if the arm's struggling... And he has the ability to extend plays, especially against a defense that maybe isn't as fast as some of the other defenses in the Big Ten. Allow him to turn it loose a little bit. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm also interested to see the wide receivers. Montori Foster basically stepped up to the number two wide receiver role last week and leapfrog Trey Mosley. So we'll see if that continues or if Mosley looks more up to the task this week with a, a full week of reps to uh to prepare for a bigger workload. Maybe the tight ends get a little bit more involved as well. But you know, like we mentioned last week, we lose a little bit of that explosiveness. So you're gonna have to be more effective down to down, um, maybe without the big plays in the passing game opening up as much. So Uh, all in all though, I think our offense is up to the task here. I don't think it's going to be their best game of the year. Um, but I don't think this Purdue offense, if we want to switch over to that side of the ball is going to put as much stress on this defense as some of the other offenses in the big 10. We mentioned David bell. He's, uh, he's going to put a lot of, um, stress on them, but this defense, Kevin, as we went into the college football playoff rankings last night and you know we were top five in the AP top three in the college I wanted to look at the stats because I wanted to see what backed this up right like how we we know we're eight no but what are we top five in in the country from a performance perspective from an analytics perspective and some interesting things started to pop up and especially in the context of coming off the heels of the Mark D'Antonio era where the game plan was always run it as much as you can get away with Keep your defense off the field as much as possible. Only rely on your quarterback when you have to. That has dramatically changed when you look at these numbers. So we're averaging dead last in the country in defensive plays per game with 87. We are on our defense is on the field more than anyone in the country. Our offense is 103rd in offensive plays per game. So we are in the bottom 30 in total offensive plays at 66. We are in the bottom, I think 10 in offensive time of possession. So the formula here has turned into score fast, keep your defense on the field as much as possible (laughs) and play defense slowly, which if you have the depth and you have the energy kind of works with this scheme,
0: we're allowing everybody's everybody's dad and grandfather is just very just can't believe what you just said like th- that makes no sense to the curmudgeon-y old football fan who is all about control the clock you know it's about clock management keep your defense off the field keep them fresh it's, it it turns that completely on its head <laughs> i found one stat kevin where we're number 1 in the country we are number
1: 1 in the country in opposing third downs per game we have the most we allow the most we force the most I don't know if you consider that allowing or forcing <laughs> it's kind of like an in-between step we face 18 on average 18 opposing third downs per game now we don't force we don't convert a lot of those into fourth downs uh, we're 55th in the country in defensive third down percent just under 40 percent. not great not bottom half but not great Um, but we kind of, and we've talked about this, right? We allow teams to get into the red zone and then we stuff them. We are allowing the third most field goal attempts, opposing field goal attempts per game in the country. We are allowing the sixth least total points per red zone attempt in the country And we are sixth. I'll try not to throw too many numbers
0: at you here, but (laughs) I got two more. So
1: follow me here. We're sixth in the country in our ratio of red zone points allowed versus total points allowed, meaning we're forcing you to get to the red zone to score. And then again, we're third or um, yeah, third in uh, red zone points per red zone attempt. So you have to get to the red zone to score on us. And then we're forcing you to kick field goal anyway. So, and,
0: and I'll tack on a couple too, cause I was, I was throwing a couple numbers around myself and I don't have the ranks in the country for these, but it goes along the similar path. And these are all kind of connected. So if you're kind of losing where we're at here, they're, they're all kind of painting the same picture in, in a bunch of different ways. I found uh, the percentage of scoring drives that went 10 plus plays Michigan state's offense is at about 21%. So one out of every five drives is we're really having to drive it. 10 plus plays uh, opponents are at 50%. So half of the drives, if if you're going to score on us, you're going to have to to move the ball. 10, 10 plays that, that goes into your third downs. Like you're going to have to keep playing, be, keep being consistent, converting on those third downs. And then the percentage of scoring drives that are touchdowns, right? Pretty similar of all the points. Are they either touchdowns or field goals? Uh, opponents are at about 53%. So we're forcing you to kick a field goal about half the time. If you're going to score on us, Michigan state is at 76%. So when we're scoring, we're scoring touchdowns. When the other team is scoring, they're scoring field goals. And, you know, it's, it's the simple adage of like, when you go back to the Michigan game last week, they kicked four field goals, two touchdowns greater than sign four field goals. And so that's allowing double the amount of trips to the red zone that it takes to get less points, right? You, you got into the red zone four times on us and you got less points than you would have if you just scored two touchdowns. And, and so it's, it's this, it all paints the same picture that if you're going to score on Michigan state, you're going to have to work really hard to do it and, and you might be able to, but you're going to have to be consistent. You're going to have to convert those third downs and not turn the ball over and and just keep chipping away at us, I guess.
1: Yeah. And that's the other point I wanted to make uh, about being on the field that much. If you're keeping everything in front of you, you're forcing third downs. You're forcing a lot of plays. Again, we're last in the country. Our defense is on the field. The most of anyone in the country that also provides the most opportunities in the country to create chaos plays, to get turnovers, to wreak havoc on a defense. And if you're not allowing the big plays, when we mentioned, we're not, we're forcing you to get into the red zone. We're forcing field goals and when you're avoiding those big plays and keeping your defense on the field that long, you're forcing college teams and Kevin, to your credit, you've been saying this all year, you're forcing college teams to be consistent. And in the NFL, you can be consistent in college. It's very hard to find kids again, basically kids, young adults who are that consistent doing and play callers who are willing to do the same thing over and over and over, because that's what the other team's giving you. And Purdue, they have a turnover prone quarterback right now. He's got eight touchdowns, he's got seven interceptions. Um, so there's opportunity there. Um, and it's just it's bizarre though. I mentioned, you know, early on on in the episode, coming off of a D'Antonio era where it was an entirely different scheme, it feels counterintuitive. And I think Early in the year, everyone was really uncomfortable with it. We were giving up a lot of defensive yards. People are like, what's wrong with this defense? Well, when you have an above average offense, this defense, it works really well and it wins you eight games and it loses you none. So um, we seem to have a formula we like here. I think it's going to be effective. The question is, and I'm not sure it'll get exploited this week, but the question is, If you end up down in the second half, and we we have a little bit here from Michigan, but if you get down in the second half, can you get off the field to get, your offense can score quickly if you get them the ball, but can you get off the Mm -hmm. field to get them the ball quickly? Um, Thankfully, our run defense is our stronger side. And in those scenarios, the other team is typically looking to run to keep the clock running. So that plays into your favor, but it's something to monitor when you're playing an effective team like Ohio State. Uh, Are you going to be able to get off the field? if you're down to get more possessions, to get back into the game, it worked once against Michigan, but I think, like I said, Michigan's offensive scheme played right into our hands in that respect. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, But anyway, don't want to get too dragged into the analytics. Um, Anything else Purdue wise you want to hit on?
0: Yeah. Like I I was just going to say too, like it, it's, there are some things that we're doing on defense that, that, in a vacuum they seem counterintuitive it seems weird it seems like it shouldn't work because we've been so accustomed to to one style of play uh not only at michigan state but basically in the sport of football it's it's there are these old adages for reasons right it's it, control the clock like how, how many times have we heard that in our lives right um and it's I I think Scotty Hazleton to his credit, and I think Mel Tucker as well, because he targeted Scotty Hazleton very pointedly and, and wanted him to be his defensive coordinator because he has this system. And it's it's kind of this philosophy of basically if you asked any offensive coordinator, right? If you if you filled a college offensive coordinator with truth serum and we're like, what do you not want to do? Like when you go out onto the field on Saturday and you see a defense is playing this way, what, what makes you the most angry basically? And I think this would probably be the answer where it's just like, if you're going to make me trust my quarterback to make every throw every time and just slowly march our way down the field without being allowed to slip behind a defensive back for 50 yards without being able to get any of these plays, that's my worst nightmare because I love my quarterback, but he's 19 years old and, and I, he's a loose cannon, man. Like I, I feel like 99% of offensive coordinators, you fill him with true serum. Like that would be the thing that they're like, I don't want to do this. And, and he's making them do that. So I, I think it's, it, it makes sense in that way, but no, in terms of actually this matchup and how that, that plays into the strategy. Right. Um, the one thing I kind of wrote down, right. Purdue, they don't run the ball. They don't really want to run the ball. They don't really try to run the ball. Uh, but that being said, if it starts to work, they'll go back to it. And they showed that a couple times the last few weeks. If, if they can rip off a couple chunk plays, they'll go back to it on third and short. They'll go back to it on second and short. Um, so, so the thing I, I kind of noted was like, just shut it down early. Cause if you shut it down early, they'll never going to go back to it. They'll abandon it so quickly. It's, it's like, you know, if, if three plays in a row in the first quarter, don't work running the ball, Jeff Brom, their coach is going to be like, well, all right, you're running back. You, you might as well just sit down the rest of the game. This isn't working today. And they're like, no, no, no coach. That that was just three plays. Now, now that is not the day for that. So he'll abandon it very quickly. So just shut it down, make them one dimensional. And then at that point, play your, play your shell. Play. Don't let David Bell get behind you. He's not for as great a receiver as he is. He's not Jalen Naylor, right? He's more of a, you know, if, if Trey Mosley were like the perfect version of Trey Mosley, that would be, David. it's a possession guy. He'll go up on you one-on-one. He was more of like the BJ Cunningham, right? It's, it's just that it's, it's that death by a thousand paper cuts. He'll hit you with 10 to 15 yards, over and over and over and over again, his route running is really good. He's really good on, on, uh, on 50, 50 balls. He'll go up and get one on you, but he's not really a guy who will get behind you with speed. But if, if you let him, he can't outrun you. So, so just don't let him behind you. They got a couple guys, Milton Wright and TJ Sheffield are potential big play guys. They like to try to get the ball in their hands on the outside. Uh, you mentioned Payne Durham, the tight end, who's, who's really solid in the past game as well. Uh, but they're going to try to do some some crazy unique stuff. They're going to put these little orbit screens out there where the wide receivers running all around the field before the play snaps. They're going to try to find matchups. Jeff Brom does a pretty good job of that, uh, of trying to get a wide receiver out in the slot lined up on a line or on a linebacker. They're going to try to get the running back lined up against the linebacker out in space. They're they're trying to find mismatches all around the field. And if they can't get one, then they're just going to throw it to David Bell. So you have to be disciplined as we've done a pretty good job of this year. Um, Scott right now, since we've been doing this, you know, every week, we'll, we'll keep the, keep the theme going here. The over under is 54 with a three point spread. So Vegas is saying uh, something like what, 28, 25, something like that. 29 to 26, Uh, what are you kind of feeling with this one? Are you, are you feeling more of a high scoring affair? I know the Michigan game was much more high scoring than, than many people expected it to be. Um, or is this going to be a kind of defensive battle with a Purdue team? That's, that's really been led by their defense this year.
1: Yeah. So when you look at the Purdue offense, um, they're 103rd in the country in red zone attempts. They've been to the red zone 31 times. They are 103rd in the country in red zone scoring percent. They score on 77% of the red zone attempts. So they're 24 of 31 this year when they get into the red zone in terms of getting some points. Those are both really bad. And they're going up against a team that forces you to get to the red zone and really forces you to really try hard to get into the end zone if you get there it plays right into our hands on the offensive side. I don't think Purdue gets to 20 points in this game. If they do, it's like two field goals and two touchdowns or a touchdown and I don't know how many that would be, five field goals, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, I think they're going to get plenty of field goals. I think they're going to struggle to score just like everyone else, but I think especially this Purdue team. I think it's like, honestly, I think 17, 20 points is where they'll end up. So then you're asking Michigan State to get 24, 27 it's going to be close. I think Michigan State is going to struggle a little bit to score as well, um, unless Kenneth Walker does what he did last week and just has gash after gash after gash getting through the entire defense and hitting home runs. Um, but they're going to be keying in on that as everyone's going to be. I think we're going to go under uh, I. Don't think it's going to be by much. I think it'll only be three, four, five points. But I, I'm I'm going to go with the under here. I think both defenses are up to the task, and I think that the way that these teams like to play, it's going to be hard for for both teams to get on the board.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. Like I just, you know, on face value, something like a 23 to 20 game seems a lot more likely than a 33 to 30 game. I, I just, you kind of get that feeling watching Purdue this year, but. All it takes really in, in a game like this is one or two, whether it's a defensive touchdown or whether it's an interception that brings it back to, into, you know, inside the red zone, your starting field position, all it really takes is one or two of those plays and this game could get weird. That That's kind of the feeling I'm getting out of it. Purdue has typically been a weird game for us. We've needed like blocked punts to, to win these games. We've needed scooping scores. We've needed pick sixes. Um, I know Denico Salen had a huge scoop and score in, in a Purdue game a few years back. I know uh, Darian Harris had a pick six uh, against Purdue a few years back. Um, it just seems like one of those games where weird stuff always tends to happen. A couple fun game notes before we get out of here. Uh, Michigan State is currently, knock on wood, on an eight-game win streak against Purdue dating back to 2007. And a very important note is, is to keep an eye on Matt Coughlin, uh, Coughlin. I, I never know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's the same as Panda I, I give up, uh, three point afters last week, didn't attempt to field goal for the first time so far this year, but he now has 368 career points. He needs nine points to tie Brett Swenson, 10 points to pass him for the career scoring record at Michigan state. So keep an eye on that nine points to tie it 10 points to take the lead. Coughlin is, is, is right there on the doorstep could get it this week. If it's a field goal fest or, or even if it's a high scoring affair. Um, But he's, he's certainly going to set himself up for either this week or or next week to break that record. So uh, a preemptive congratulations again, knock on wood. Uh, but a, a big day for Coughlin could mean a record breaking day. So I uh, wanted to, to throw that one out there as well. Anything else before we wrap this thing up?
1: No, at the end of the day, there's a lot to be distracted by. And I think we've got the right guy to cut through that Mel Tucker. I've liked what I've seen from him in uh, other challenging uh, mental, emotional situations with his team. I think they got their head on straight. So I think they'll be up to the task. Um, but yeah, I mean, As far as trap games go, this one's got all the ingredients. So they're going to have to fight through that, and they're going to have to show up in West Lafayette ready for a fight. And uh, hopefully the, the Spartan faithful will be out there too. It's not too far from Southern Michigan, Southwest Michigan. So hopefully we'll have a good contingent out there to cheer the
0: guys on. It is funny, like, going through Twitter and seeing fans, the whole, like, one step at a time, guys, we're just looking at Purdue. Like the fans have any control over who wins and loses and how focused the team is. That always cracks me up. Like we're allowed to look ahead. We're, we have no control over these games. Just got to remember that, but uh, no, it should be a fun one. Hope everybody enjoys. We'll see you Friday for the picks. Not a great slate of picks this week, but of course we'll have our Michigan state pick. So a, a reason to tune in for you um, until Friday. Hope everybody has a great middle of the week here. It's hump day and then hope you enjoy. So go green. Go white. Take care, folks.